0: This podcast covers true crime cases that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back everyone to Malice and Mocktails. I am Katie. And I'm Emily. And this is episode 22. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. And we're sticking, we're almost done with this Wild West theme. And I thought that this would be the last one, but apparently there's a fifth Monday in the month. (laughs) So so, um, next week's episode will be another Wild West. And then February, we will jump into Louisiana and New Orleans related lore and cases. Today, I'm going to tell y'all about the infamous Sam Bass. Have you heard of him, Emily? I
1: feel like I've heard his name before, but it doesn't bring anything to mind. Okay.
0: Well, let me tell you all about him. So, Sam Bass was born on July 21st, 1851 in Indiana to Daniel Bass. Wow. Sam Bass was born on July 21st, 1851 in Indiana to Daniel Bass and Elizabeth Sheeks. His mother, Elizabeth, would die sadly in June of 1861, and his father, Daniel, would later remarry a widow named Margaret Siebert. And their marriage lasted a couple of years until Daniel's death in 1864, and Margaret apparently decided to bounce and leave the Bass family, and didn't want to deal with the Bass children. Oh, she, okay. Yeah, she apparently had three of her own from a previous marriage to to, to care for. <laughs> okay, so Margaret um, apparently like left the duties of dealing with um, Daniel's estate and everything to his brother. And um, Sam and his siblings are sadly now orphans and would later move in with their uncle Solomon Bass and his nine kids on his, his uh, nearby farm. And as a child, Sam didn't receive formal schooling and mostly helped on his uncle's farm. And he would later set out on his own around 1869 at the age of 18. And he'd make his way down to Mississippi um specifically Rosedale where he worked for about a year in a place called Charles Mill and it was in Mississippi that Sam learned how to wield a pistol and perfected his gambling skills um around 1870 he meets up with a man named Robert Mays and his family And they were traveling to Texas after about a two-year stay with with his family in Mississippi. And Mays had a wife and two sons, uh, Robert Jr. and Elijah Scott. Elijah Scott would later become one of Sam's unlawful companions. And he went by Scott. And so I'll refer to him as that uh, moving forward. Uh, According to one source, Scott was only 13 when he met Bass, who was 21 at the time. So I don't know what a 13-year-old is hanging out with a 21-year-old, but whatever. Um, he needs guidance. He needs a friend. He needs he a big needs a, bro. He needs a big brother. So Sam had always been taken with the idea of moving to Texas and becoming a cowboy. And this looks like his chance. And when I read this, I immediately thought of how sometimes people um, – who've never been to Texas would ask me if I owned like horses or did I have big hair or all those things. Um, When I, when I lived in New York city, um, this was back in like 2007 and 2008. I would get questions like that. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I mean, I don't have a drawl or like the, I guess, stereotypical big hair or, you know what I mean? Like, did they Oh, hold on. What? Hold on. I was gonna
1: say, uh, I get asked a lot, if I say y'all, do y'all, do you say y'all? And I, and I, I do. And <laughs> our, we have, we have family that lives in Kansas and our Kansas family, like I, I said y'all for whatever reason, because, you know, when you're from Texas and you talk to a group of people, you address them as y'all. <laughs> um, and, I had, I had some said something and said y'all, and they were like, oh, my God, you said y'all. And I was like, yeah, and? And they were like, we don't say y'all, say y'all again. And I said y'all, and, like, they said y'all, and they were like, see, it sounds weird when we say it. And I was like, no, it, it oh, sounds no. the same. You,
0: it's <laughs> y'all. Oh. Yeah. I love
1: it. I love it. Do you ride your
0: horse to school? Yeah. No. Are but they're tumbleweeds. If you go to El Paso, yes. yes. Yes, depends on where you are.
1: And our and our mom was notorious for um, going with her friends riding riding when when our mom was in her teens and early twenties. She was notorious for riding her horse through the drive through.
0: Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, did, I think Aunt Mary told us that story. But that might have been in California. So I'm, it must so have there. been. Yeah. Anyway. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> Sam and the Mays family headed to... T- headed, wow. <sighs> this is going to be a rough episode, guys. <laughs> so Sam and the Mays family headed down to Texas together. And once they reached Denton... Uh, He and his new pal, Scott, rode west, um, where they lived and worked through the winter and spring of 1871. And um, for context, Denton is near Dallas, so it's in North Texas. And um, so Sam found various means of employment during this time. Uh, According to various sources, um, he would end up working for a woman named Mrs. Lacey at her boarding house. Working for a rancher and also working as a teamster, and in this context, a teamster is someone who drove herds of cattle, horses, etc. And according to some other sources, Sam finally finds himself working for uh, Denton County Sheriff William Franklin Egan, who was known to some as Dad or Uncle Bill. I, I don't know why, but whatever. I just, I
1: gotta, I I gotta, I gotta step in and pause you there. Okay. I, you're, you're pronouncing it Denton and I've only ever heard people ever call it Denton. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I just want to tell our listeners, you know, since we were talking about y'all and yeah, people not saying people, people saying things differently. Like I've, I've heard, I haven't heard any Dentonites calling it (laughs) however they call it. But over here in Houston, um, everybody that I know calls it Denton. Denton. And there's no hard T. It's just Denton. Denton.
0: I mean, I (laughs) guess that's how I pronounce it. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I just, I picked it up and I was like, oh, fun. Okay. Denton is probably proper
0: and correct. Denton. Now I'm going to be self-conscious.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I just, I like the way you say it.
0: Okay. Thank you. So during this time, Sam worked primarily as a farmhand where he cared for the horses, milked the cows, cut firewood, firewood, and um, continued to spend time as a teamster for this Egan fellow. And as a teamster, he would become very acquainted with the countryside. And learned all the trails the back roads and this would all come in handy to him later as an outlaw where he is like eluding and on the run from the texas rangers so sam is living and working in and around denton and by 1874 he meets a man named henry underwood and henry is also from indiana so i think they kind of bonded over that and um Underwood was born around 1847 to strict Baptist parents, and he would later enlist in the Union Army in 1863 and served about two years before he complained to his superiors that he had developed epilepsy and he had permanently injured his, quote, third finger on left hand bent down into the palm of hand. Don't really know what that means. I didn't really think about it. Um, uh, I wonder how he did that. I well, I mean, he, that is going to make it
1: hard to hold a gun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess that would be his, just his middle finger. Yeah. Hmm. So his first recorded criminal act happened toward the end of his military career on October 31st and I believe this is 1865, I'm not quite sure, he went AWOL and entered the home of a woman named Elizabeth Taylor and, quote, did create a disturbance and riot, breaking the furniture belonging to Taylor. Naturally, he was arrested by the equivalent of MPs at the time, and Mm -hmm. he was charged with being AWOL and rioting. Rioting? Can you riot? At by yourself? Is a one person uh, riot still a riot? That's the word that they that the um source I found used huh. or that was in the uh the quote. So hmm. I guess rioting at that time maybe it meant something different. I'm not not sure. Hmm. And um riot. yeah. According to the book by Rick Miller, which is um Sam Bass and Gang, which I, I used um I used a lot for this episode it's a good read if you want more information about sam bass and his life um but according to um, this book records only show that um underwood was mustered out of the army in january of 1866 um so other than that i don't think there's much um about his military career but Henry began committing other unlawful activities starting in the 1870s while living in Kansas. He and his family would end up, they ended up moving away from Kansas because I think the his fellow neighbors are probably tired of his shenanigans at this point. Um, so they need to leave and, you know, go somewhere else. So they head on down to Denton and that's where he meets our friend Sam. While there, um, Sam works hard and saves his money, and um, he was said to be really actually very thrifty and good with his money. Um, He was also passionate about horse racing by this time, and let's see, we're in 1874 now, sorry. And he ends up teaming up with Sheriff Egan's younger brother, Armstrong Egan, to purchase a gray mare. And this mare was about two years old and allegedly had the bloodline of a horse named Steel Dust, who was well known in the racing circuits at that time and was really, really fast. The mare's name was Jenny, and she was about fifteen okay, hands. Gosh. What? The mare's name was Jenny. That's yeah, great. Jenny. Jenny with an I.E. Oh, Jenny and Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> And um Jenny the mayor was about fifteen hands and a hand in this context it's a unit of measurement and it's equal to about four inches. so Jenny's about probably five she's feet tall
1: from
0: what she's kind of short being fifteen hands I think our I think Dad's horse shorty was fifteen hands, wasn't he? uh he might have been because because she's about she'd be f- about five feet tall from the ground to her um her withers yeah yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Some equine knowledge there. Emily and I grew up around horses and our dad used to work as a farrier and team rope. And so, and our mom
1: also was in, um, Yes. she worked,
0: uh, for a rodeo for
1: a long time and she was also mm-hmm. a barrel racer. Yeah. Yeah. She, I don't know. Did she
0: pole bend? I'm sorry. Say that again. Did,
1: did she pole know,
0: bend? Pole bend it's, I don't lit- know it's almost literally what it sounds like it's um it's uh flexible poles set up they're spaced out I don't know oh, how far and you but go in you between go the poles?
1: yes yeah. yeah I don't know I only knew that she did barrel racing
0: okay maybe she yeah, I don't know
1: I don't think we have any pictures of her pole bending but we do have pictures of her barrel racing which are yeah.
0: pretty great yeah and um, she wrote English mm-hmm mm-hmm we have pictures of you writing English okay. too, yeah, there's pictures exactly of exactly like Mom, baby Katie in English attire. <laughs> if you're, if our fans want to, I can post a picture, maybe.
1: So cute! Yes. Oh my gosh! Like fawn colored <laughs> um, pants mm-hmm. with with a white blouse and like the cute little equestrian jacket and the
0: helmet. Yes. So cute! So cute! Yeah, um, super cute.
1: But yeah, so so whenever they, whenever they say how hot how tall a horse is in hands it's from the ground up to the top of their shoulder mm-hmm. um, which is called the Withers.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, so despite Jenny's height, she was apparently very fast and mm-hmm. would earned Sam enough money for him to basically quit his job with Sheriff Egan and retire to a life of horse racing, gambling, and saloon patronizing. Wow, sounds like a great life. Yeah, if uh-huh. that's what you want, I yeah. know. So after 1875, Sam never again holds a permanent job. He's living instead on his gambling proceeds and eventually on thieving. Oh, and there's an there's an entire chapter on Jenny, the grey mare, in the book um, Sam Bass and Gang, like I mentioned if you want to, um, learn more about that part of his life. Let's see where I'm at. Okay. 1875 seems to be the year that Sam's life choices take a downturn. He's hanging out with just thieves and ruffians and all around dishonest folk. And on one occasion, though he didn't even really start anything or hurt anyone, at least according to the information I found. Sam was at a dance when a fight broke out. And he went to help someone, I guess, who had been cut or whatever. And the woman who owned the house where the dance was taking place thought Bass had been the instigator and like and approached him. And Sam was like, whoa, like, no, lady, I'm just trying to help this dude. And the woman like would not back off. And Sam was like, look. Lady, you need to calm down, or I'm going to cut you. <coughs> and someone—I'm not sure who—ends up like with serious injuries during this ordeal. And, and Sam is arrested, but he's later released due to lack of evidence that he was involved in this scuffle at all. Um, fast forward to December of 1875, Sam meets a na- uh, well a man named Joel Collins in San Antonio. Together with Henry Underwood, remember him, and a man named Johnny Hudson, they decide to run a herd of cattle to the northern markets. This eventually takes them to Nebraska, where they sell the herd and use the money to take up uh, gold prospecting in the Black Hills. And I'm sorry I did not look where the Black Hills were located. Um, the, However, this leaves... Um, these guys broke. To offset their losses, they turned to robbing stagecoaches. Naturally, right? That's what you do. Of course. What What else are you going to do? Uh, yeah. So, In association with a man named Jack Davis and another man just known as Nixon, they end up holding up seven stages over the next few months. And they became known as the Black Hills Bandits. And For whatever reason, you know, robbing stage coaches wasn't wasn't good enough, so they turned to robbing trains. Of course. And when this wasn't enough, they decided to rob banks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, But let me jump back a little bit to their first train robbery job. So this takes place in Big Spring Station, Nebraska. On the night of September 18, 1877, the um, so the gang um, they forced the station master to signal the oncoming express train to stop, so they could they could board. But um, upon boarding, they only found about 450 dollars in the safe that was accessible. So they like brutally pistol whip one of the train workers um, who's who's aboard the train to get him to open a different safe. But the other safe had a time lock um, that basically couldn't be opened until it reached whatever their final destination was. So they, that was like no dice. Um, they end up finding some other boxes and open them revealing about $60,000 worth of freshly minted gold pieces. Wow. And Sam and his crew divide the money six ways and then they split up into pairs and each pair heads into a different direction. Joel Collins and his partner were shot and killed a week later. James Barry and Nixon end up splitting up, and Barry, I guess, is captured, and Nixon apparently escapes to Canada. The third pair, Sam and Jack Davis, ride south. Sam and Jack were soon joined by a company of soldiers who were actually searching for the train robbers And these fools were able to convince the soldiers that they, too, were, in fact, searching for the bandits in hopes of getting the reward. (laughs) So, yeah. So after about four days of, quote, searching, Sam and Jack split from these uh, soldiers and they hightail it back to Denton. Like, I don't know why they would go back to Denton, but okay. It's their favorite place. I mean, I it's, guess, but. It's their favorite place. Uh, so, so yeah, ha- I mean, they have, I don't, I can't math right now, but they, it, they probably still have a lot of money because they, I mean, they split that 60,000, I guess, six ways. Oh, it's 10, 10,000 each. Wow. I'm dumb.
1: No. <laughs> I forgot how many robbers there were, so I was like, 10000 I, I don't know how many.
0: <laughs> so he's got $10,000, and at this time, that's a lot of money. And so Sam would tell people that his newfound wealth was from a mineral strike he had made prospecting in the Black Hills, even yeah. though they made squat doing that. Mm, um, yeah, I mean, you got to lie somehow. Yeah. So his money and happiness attracted many people, like it does. Yeah. And uh, some of whom would later become part of the Sam Bass gang when he took to robbing trains in Texas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he's just just attracting all kinds of people. Um, All the right sorts. Yeah. So it was speculated that Sam would have reached Denton by late autumn when he and Jack had, had made their way back. But by February of 1878, Sam had begun to rob trains again. So they're, they're still, he's still robbing trains, but the book I read kind of posited the question, like, why, why, how could you have spent $10,000 in less than four months? And, oh, so I, sorry, I have it in my notes here. That's about $300,000 today. Wow. Like, I mean, how you could, months? what? On, in how
1: many months? Four. Oh, wow. Four. I mean, you, you live could, in the high life. You could you live in, yeah. Booze, gambling, women,
0: you horses. My house, ho- yeah, horses, yeah, clothes, all anyway. the best foods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, many sources uh, that I did come across speculate that he hid his gold instead of actually spending it and just oh. wanted more. So he'd be being greedy. Yeah. Uh, But then, so, then there are, like, stories flying around about Bass's hidden gold. And I, like, I automatically thought of City Slickers. (laughs) Have you you seen that movie? I haven't seen that. No. It's, it's, uh, I think it's from the, like, late 80s, early 90s. Um, But Billy Uh Crystal and one or, I think it's two of his buddies um, go on. to like, this dude ranch. Okay. And uh, they come across, um, I think one of the guys, his name's Curly, like you rough cowboy type think, um, like Clint Eastwood, you know, those, that kind of guy. And, um, they, they think that this is all a joke. Um, but they end up like it ends up being a real thing. Oh. Um, but I'm just, I'm just thinking like if it was a joke or something, you know, people, these stories flying around. And I think people actually to this day think, that potentially like that his gold is out there somewhere. So I I don't know if he even actually hid his gold or if that was a myth. Oh, okay. So it was it was speculated that he just he hid it and was being greedy and wanted more money. So that's why he went to robbing trains again. Gotcha.
1: I mean, I mean, yeah, because if you're good at robbing trains, why not just keep it up and just have a ridiculous amount of money?
0: Yeah. Back to to train robbing. So Sam and his entourage hold up a train in February of 1878, and this robbery lends them about $1,300, and on March 18th, they hold up yet another train. And the Texas and Pacific Railroad was hit on April 4th, and again, on April 10th, And but only the first robbery in February really got them a significant payoff. And according to some of the sources I read, the other hits were considered very disorganized because these fools apparently missed larger stashes of cash and gold. Um, so folks thought that maybe they were amateurs or drunk, um, (laughs) or just, yeah.
1: (laughs) They're drunk train robbers. (laughs) I don't know why I think that's so funny. (laughs) They're just drunk. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, they'll be fine. Your money's safe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So during these train robberies, the gang was made up of eight men Frank Jackson, Seaborn Barnes, Thomas Spotswood, Arkansas Johnson, Henry Underwood, Sam Pipes, Albert Hurdon, and Sam Bass. It's quite a list. Yeah. Um, and the people of North Texas have basically had enough of this nonsense. So then then Texas Governor Richard Hubbard calls in the Texas Rangers to capture this gang and put an end to this nonsense so I want to talk a little bit about the political climate in Texas at this time because I think it helps kind of it helps with the narrative so reconstruction the Civil War had ended and reconstruction was waning by this point and the state government was still really weak and Texas Texans were deeply concerned Concerned about the presence of bandits roaming around the state, running amok. And they're like, hey, Mr. Governor, we demand law and order and we demand it now. So this riled up many a politician, and they were all basically, most of them would campaign on a platform of law and order. Hmm. And instead, that a modern peacekeeping force be created. Well, the Texas Rangers kind of took offense to this and they got a little like nervous because. Because they've been around since 1835, like what the? They're <laughs> so like um, so I rude. think we're right they here. thought that. Well, yeah, like I think they um, were fearful that basically their whole organization would be dissolved with these comments, so they jumped into action. And they chose Sam Bass and his band of ragamuffins to be their example to show that they were so irrelevant nice and they were hellbent on capturing him at any cost they're like fuck this guy <laughs> we need to stay relevant so um during the four months of what would be called the bass war the gang became the stuff of legend they would lead Texas Rangers on long chases with very narrow escapes and remember Sam has extensive extensive knowledge on the trails and countryside so he and his gang were able to evade the rangers pretty easily oh geez the yeah the first clash of this so-called war took place in april of 1878 near cove hollow which is north of dallas the rangers were able to take the gang by surprise while they were resting at the homestead of a man named jim murphy and the gang was able Able to flee the rangers but sam bass was struck by two bullets one in his gun belt and one in the stock of his gun but he was not injured like uh jim murphy was later arrested for aiding and abetting and was later released on bond um he was like consumed with guilt and i think shame for like helping this dude and so he he ends up approaching one of the deputy marshals, um deputy Marshal johnson about joining the Bass gang, like, as a ruse to help capture them. Oh, wow. And I'm pretty sure he did this to what? Uh, Sorry, I said okay. All right. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he probably did this, too, for clemency, um, basically, like, to reduce the sentence or whatever. And the U.S. attorney um, agreed to all of this and actually Hmm. would upon carrying out the plan successfully, um, the U.S. attorney would actually dismiss the case against Murphy. Um, He just had to carry out his end of the bargain. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And in June of that same year, a posse challenges the gang to a gunfight where Arkansas Johnson is killed, and Henry Underwood apparently rides off never to be seen again. And following the shootout, or this specific shootout jim murphy ends up officially getting in with the basking so he's in but apparently his intentions were not the best kept secret friggin like a local paper had reported that deputy marshal johnson confided to a quote certain indiscreet friend that a friend of bass had given him away and was trying to induce him to return to denton with the intention of leading him into the clutches of the local sheriff.
1: Uh, Oh, my God. I know. Karen, don't spill the (laughs)
0: secrets to the newspaper. So Seaborn, one of the gang members, um, basically has no trust in Murphy because he had heard about the plan and urged Sam to kill this guy. And Murphy was like, "Oh shit!" So he thought quickly, and he admitted to having an arrangement with the lawmen, but had no intention of carrying it out. He told them that he simply agreed to it, you know, to oh, avoid wow. going to prison, right? Uh, yeah. And and promised that if they let him live, he would take responsibility responsibility if anything like happened. This appeases um, uh, one of the other members, Jack Frank Jackson who I guess had known Murphy and basically vouched for him. Um, Sam was still super sus and didn't really trust this guy, but he backed off a little bit. In mid-July of 1878, the gang makes their way south to Round Rock, Texas. Round oh, yeah. Yeah, Round Rock is north of Austin and was formed around 1854. Um So the gang arrives in this area and they end up camping about a quarter mile west of the town. And Jim Murphy had previously got out a letter to the Texas Rangers before they made their way down there with the intention, um, so, okay, sorry. Um, The gang um, went to Round Rock with the intention of robbing the local bank. And so Jim Murphy is able to get the Rangers this information and Major Jones, um, who's part of the, um, the Rangers, was surprised to hear that the gang was moving so far south, and he immediately told his Rangers, Dick Ware, Chris Connor, and George Harold, to get down to Round Rock, like right now, and be on the lookout for any of the Bass gang members. Um, and then uh, Major Jones would make his way shortly after that with another deputy sheriff. And, um, so the Sam Bass gang, uh, now consists of Frank Jackson, Seaborn Barnes, and Jim Murphy. And the day after they arrived, these guys wanted to go into town to case the bank and get cleaned up a little bit. So Sam and Seaborn also wanted to steal some horses and rob the bank as soon as possible. However, uh, Jim, okay. So Jim, um, basically has to stall them from doing the bank because he's he's trying to you know get them captured so he stalls them suggesting that stealing horses would probably raise suspicion and they should just arrest their own horses and wait to rob the bank later oh yeah. yeah so it's kind of surprisingly they decide to rob the bank at about 3 30 p.m that saturday so about five days from from then Wow, he stalled them five days. Yeah.
1: Oh, that is impressive because I mean it does make sense. Like you wanna you wanna make it into town, mm-hmm. just get in, get out, get done before anybody even notices
0: that you're there. Wow. Wow. Um, he's yeah. he's he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so on Friday the 19th, so day before they're supposed to rob the bank. Sam, Frank, and Seaborn head into town to case the bank one final time. And Jim stays at the camp waiting to hear back from Major Jones. Um, So upon arriving into town, the trio, so our, our gang members, hitch their horses in an alley and they head over to the local general store. Several of the Texas Rangers are already there in the town. And uh, Ranger Ware was heading to the local barber shop. He would later recall that he passed the bandits at this point, but didn't realize who they were. Oh, my God. And Sam Bass and his crew, they crossed the street to the general store. Um, there they were observed also by Deputy Sheriff Moore and Deputy Sheriff Grimes. And they, too, didn't recognize these guys.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And of course, I don't know really how easy it was for people to recognize folks back then. Um, I'm sure they had the composite drawings everywhere, you know, wanted, etc. but you would think that they would have an idea like who they're looking for. Yeah, you would hope. Yeah. Um, however, despite not recognizing them, um, Deputy Grimes thought that he saw one of the men wearing a pistol, which was illegal in Round Rock, and we learned about this a little bit in the last episode, where open carry was not allowed in Tombstone, and it just, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, every Wild West movie, yeah, has everybody
1: opening, open carry, yeah,
0: and granted, I fully acknowledge those are, it's movie, it's a movie, but.
1: What Katie movies movies don't lie to me. <laughs> Next you're gonna try telling me that the internet isn't always true. Oh
0: my goodness, I know. Fake news.
1: <laughs> fake oh. fake news. Fake I call everything. baloney. Yes. I call baloney. The internet is
0: always right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so another source mentions that Grimes um Instead, thought the one of the men was wearing two pistols, which was one more than the law permitted in Round Rock. Again, I didn't do a deep dive into the gun law of 1870s Round Rock, so this may or may not be accurate. Whatever the case. You're you're wearing two pistols, Billy. That is one more than you're allowed. (laughs) I need to confiscate that, sir. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, either way, Grimes was suspicious and he decides to investigate. So, he makes his way to the men who were now inside the general store. And Grimes is like, Sam, well, he doesn't know him. so But he goes up to Sam and he asks, you know, hey, do you have a pistol? To which Sam, apparently he says yes and proceeds to open fire on Whoa! this dude, killing him instantly wow did not see that coming no and poor i poor mean Grime. neither did yeah no yeah poor grimes didn't see it coming um oh, he didn't even have joke. a chance to draw his weapon now deputy moore who had been waiting outside the general store hears all this commotion runs into the store gun drawn he shoots sam through the hand and all of this chaos, of course, draws the attention of the other rangers. Uh, Ranger Ware, who was receiving a shave at the time, he gets up and runs into the street with lather like half on his face and begins shooting at the bandits. The shooting also attracts the attention of Major Jones, who is at the, to the uh, local telegraph office. Um, he meets up with Ranger Ware and they start shooting at Sam and his cohorts. Um Sam and his guys return fire, and this goes on for a few minutes. The gang ends up making their way back to the alley where their horses are, and they attempt to mount and get away. Uh, Ranger Harold and a civilian named Connor fire on the gang with their rifles. Uh, And Sam Bass is actually wounded, and Seaborn was fatally shot. Wow. Yes. And I can just imagine all of this, like, taking place in a matter of, like, Minutes, like seconds, months, very quickly. moments. The, the bullet that made contact with Sam actually ended up striking a cartridge in his gun belt and it splits in two. With one part entering his back and exiting near his groin, the other half lodges in his body somewhere. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Because my thought is like, if it exits near his groin, like it could have, it's gonna uh, be a bad time. Well, because your femoral artery, yeah, like, your femoral your main, artery
1: is right there. Yeah, all your important, uh, well, yeah, all, a, a lot of your important <laughs> parts are right there besides <laughs> the femoral artery. Well, yes, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a bad time.
0: Yeah, bad, bad time. Ugh. So. I'm I Hold on, I lost my spot. Um, there were several accounts of what actually happened during the shootout, which I totally understand because, like, bullets are flying. There's probably smoke and confusion. Um, several witnesses claim that young Frank Jackson, who was a member of the gang, held the Rangers at bay while he helped Sam onto his horse so they could escape. Another account of this event states that after Seaborn is killed, both Sam and Frank mount their horses and began to ride off with Sam when Sam was hit by the bullet versus him having been hit earlier. So, sorry, going back to the, the other account saying that Sam was hit when he was on his horse riding off. Um, he, he was hit sitting on his horse. He tried to grab onto the saddle horn. Um, but he was unable to stay on his horse and he falls off and hits the oh. ground. And then Frank is firing at the rangers to like stop them from shooting so Sam can get onto his horse and they can ride away. Oh my gosh. Um, so but they dramatic. Do, I know. They do end up getting away and um, the injuries that Sam sustained would later prove to be fatal. Um he and Frank uh, make their way out of Round Rock towards some woods, and Sam basically tells Frank that he was in too much pain to continue, and he tells Frank to leave and, like, go save yourself, dude. Oh, my and gosh. Frank's really upset. He didn't want to leave his friend and was like, no, like, I have to stay here and help you. Um, but Sam finally convinces him to leave, and he gives him all of his money, his guns, ammo, and his horse. And allegedly, Frank does ride off, but he ends up camping nearby to watch over his friend and make Aww. sure he's okay. The That's Texas Ranger.
1: That's actually really
0: nice. That's actually I lovely. I know. Um, the we live on the love range... Oh yeah, this is true. The um, the Rangers end up calling off the search for Sam until the okay. morning, and um two searchers saw a man propped up against a tree, but assumed that it was one of the railroad workers who were constructing the line um, of the Georgetown Railroad at the time. So they don't they don't go bother him. And then um, later though, one of the, the searchers would actually go up to Sam and he basically surrenders without incident. The rest of the search party, including Jim Murphy, Um, who, one of the, one of the sources, uh, refers to him as Jim, quote, Judas Murphy. Oh. Uh, because he, he was a traitor. Yeah. Technically. Or again, the gang would see him as a traitor, but. Well, yeah. Um, so they all, they slowly make their way toward the wood where Sam and the searcher were standing. So Sam is still like leaning up against a tree. And, um, this searcher's name was Tucker. And so Tucker tells Jim Murphy to stay out of sight because they didn't just they didn't want a big deal to happen. He they just thought it was best that he stay away. And so Murphy was able to identify Sam from a distance, and um, uh, Sam explained that his wounds had forced him to stop, and that Frank fled because he told him to. And the Rangers proceed to put Sam into the back of their wagon, and they take him back to Round Rock. So once word of Bass's capture makes it to Major Jones, he quickly contacts the attorney general in Austin. And Sam was, like I said, Sam was in really bad shape. And he was taken to a small shack where he was questioned by the Rangers. But Sam didn't offer up much and was like, um... You know what I know is going to die with me. So oh there. wow! Basically, like so, Sam did confess that quote: "If I killed him," and "him" is reference to Deputy Grimes. Uh-huh. He's the first man I ever killed. And wow. on sun- yeah, on Sunday, July twenty first, eighteen seventy eight, Sam Bass died, and he was only twenty
1: seven. Wow.
0: He, yeah. The Rangers um, they wanted to take his body to Austin in order to convince the Congress that he had finally been caught and to basically justify their worth as a law enforcement agency. Yeah. But since it was summertime in Texas, oh they didn't no, have any, they couldn't they couldn't pack his body in ice, and so they had to bury him in Round Rock.
1: Yeah, you and do not want to be hauling a body across Texas in the summer if you don't have some kind of refrigeration. Yeah. That would
0: get nasty. That would be really horrible. That would be rank. So Sam Bass is buried in the Round Rock Cemetery. And according to one source I found, it was reported that his pal Frank watched from afar as they
1: entered him. Wow, they really were besties. That's lovely. Yeah. Frank Aww.
0: and our buddy Jim Murphy ends up spending the rest of his life in absolute fear because he's he's terrified he's gonna be gunned down by one of Sam's friends for Aww. what he did. And this is really sad in 1879, so not not far, not long after this happened. Uh, he takes his own life yep. by taking ingesting poison, Ew.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. A song was written about Sam posthumously, and it is called The Ballad of Sam Bass. Oh, my gosh. And it was written by John Denton and was sung by basically cowboys in an attempt to soothe their herds on stormy nights.
1: Wow. Uh...
0: Yes. And I will I will try to find um, like a click of YouTube or a clip of somebody singing it. And I'll post that.
1: Wow. Yes, yeah. please.
0: And um, Sam's infamy actually makes its way to the UK in the late 1800s. And a wax statue of him was created and displayed in Madame Tussaud's wax works in London. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if it's still there. I did not look. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Wow, uh, very famous. If man, that's how you know you made it. If if you get into Madame Tussaud's freaking waxworks, you you're famous.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So that is the tale of the infamous Sam Bass. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he would have been
1: fine if he, if, if, if it's true that he had plenty of money and he was fine, he would have just been fine. Yeah. But he had to go, had to go and continue on with the
0: robbing With banks. the, yeah, robbing, robbing, and, robbing and stealing. And, yeah. I guess robbing and stealing are the same thing. Um, but yeah. Wow. So with that said. I have a mocktail for us. Yay. So today's mocktail comes from a mixologist named Derek. And you can find him on Instagram at mocktailwiz. Derek. And and we will um, link all of his details in the show notes and, of course, tag him on our socials. So please go check him out. He has a ton of reels showing you how to make his awesome creations. And the one I want to share with you today, um, you can find on his Instagram. And it is a cinnamon maple old-fashioned. Oh, yummy. I know. It sounds so good. Um, So for this mocktail, you will need one and a half ounces of both non-alcoholic cinnamon whiskey And Derek uses a brand called Drink Beckett's, and you also need a non-alcoholic bourbon. And there are a few brands out there, like um, I've mentioned before, and I would say shop around and see what you like. Um, I've used Spiritless, which is what Derek uses, and I've also used Ritual. So they both have whiskey alternatives that they um, they sell, and they make and sell. And you'll also need four dashes of non-alcoholic aromatic bitters and one teaspoon of bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. And you garnish with an orange peel, a cherry and a cinnamon stick. So you're gonna combine all of your ingredients into a mixing glass, you add ice and stir, and then you strain all of that into a rocks glass with a big old ice cube. (laughs) <laughs> and you zest an orange peel, and you garnish, and it sounds freaking amazing. Yum. Yeah, but yeah, definitely check Derek out. Um He, I love him. I, his, he's, he's just his energy and his drink recipes are amazing. So, yes. I don't think I've seen any of his reels. I'm gonna have to go check him out. Tell him, tell yeah. us, his, tell us
1: who he is again. Tell us. Oh, so his handle is Mocktail Whiz. Mocktail Whiz. That's right. You already said that, but tell me again. Mocktail <laughs> Whiz.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So that will wrap up this episode. And next week, um, Emily is going to tell us about, who's. who are you talking about next week? Boone
1: Boonhelm.
0: Boonhelm.
1: Boonhelm.
0: And- Apparently, he's a really, or he was a really, really bad dude.
1: Ah, uh, Yeah, yeah, we will get into it next week. You, you, you strap in. <laughs>
0: Bye. <laughs> Make a no, choice. Wait. I was, <laughs> <wait. laughs> was going to give our socials. Oh, yeah, give our socials. Oh, my God. Tell people where to find us, Katie. <laughs> should make where, you do it. Where are we, Katie? <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Malice and Mocktails. You can email us at MaliceandMocktails at gmail.com. And you can also join us over on Patreon. And I think we're, I think it's just go to Patreon.com slash Malice and Mocktails. You can also find that in our link tree, um, which is in our bio on Instagram. So, and lots we're also on TikTok. Don't yeah, forget. Yeah, we are we are TikTok. on TikTok. I'm trying. I haven't put anything fun yet. There's, I'll do clips of our episodes, but I want to start doing like actual little videos to complement our episodes. I just have been lazy and life has gotten in the way. So until then, until next time, um, have a great week and make good choices. We love you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Make a choice.